Well, hello everyone. Welcome. Welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. So glad you joined me on today. Uh, this is a channel where we read the scriptures together. Uh, we make sure we understand the context and what we're reading. And then we make application to our lives. Uh, I post a new video every Wednesday. Uh, and again, my name is uh, Elder Linda, in case I forgot to say that, Elder Linda, for those that are new to the channel, Elder Linda Anderson. Um, but I'm glad you're here. We started with uh, Genesis chapter 1. We're, we're literally reading through the Bible. And we are now on Genesis chapter 31. We started uh, chapter 31 last week, got into it just a little bit. So we're going to continue that, uh, finish up chapter 31 today. I'm sure we're, we'll get through the whole chapter today. So anyway, let's just start with the word of prayer. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you will come in and be the teacher on today. Help us, oh God, to understand your word. Father, and we'll be careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So glad you're here. We're going to jump right in. Um, <clears throat> last week, we read the entire chapter of chapter 31 of Genesis. So we're not going to read the chapter over again, but there might be some some spots where I might go back and read some um, read some of those verses. But last week we talked about uh, <clears throat> well, just just for a little background for you, the the uh, Genesis thirty one is about uh, Jacob leaving or running away from Laban. Laban is Jacob's uncle, and how Laban chases after him. He goes after him. Uh, Jacob leaves with his two two wives and his two concubines and all 11 of his uh, sons and a daughter and all his cattle and his sheep and mind you all this that he all this that he has he got from Laban so uh, he took off with that um, and then it tells how Laban, Laban uh, went after Jacob and they made a treaty or a covenant together so we're going to get into talking about some of that but um, we talked about how last week how Jacob was Jacob found out that Laban's sons were upset were, were upset with him, and more than likely they probably wanted to get rid of him because Jacob had earned and they thought he had stolen their father's flocks. Jacob went there without any flocks, and he's going to leave rich with plenty of flocks because of a deal that him and Laban made. Jacob was going to get all the speckled and the spotted and the brown and black uh, flock. And any any uh, new cattle or new uh, sheep that were born that were of, the, of that particular color was supposed to go to Jacob. So God made it so that all the cattle that were being, that were being born were born speckled and spotted and striped and of a dark color. So Jacob was getting all the cattle. So before he left, he ended up getting a lot of Laban's flock. So <clears throat> anyway, Jacob, uh, in verse 1 and 2, we talk about him uh, being up, finding out that uh, Laban's sons is upset with him. And in verse 3, God actually spoke to Jacob and told him that it was time to leave. He said, it's time to you for you to return to the land of your fathers, which his father Isaac is living in Canaan land. So he's telling him it's time for you to go back to Canaan land. And remember, Jacob has been here for 20 years. He came here uh, because, remember, he had tricked Esau. And so he had to run away because Esau wanted to kill him. So he went to live with his uncle Laban. So he's been here about 20 years. 
And now God is telling him, it's time for you to go back to uh, your father's house, which is in the land of Canaan. So when, when God tells Jacob that, Jacob calls Rachel and Leah out to the field. Rachel and Leah are Jacob's two wives. Uh, so he calls them out in the field to explain to them why he's why he's getting ready to leave because God just told him to leave, right? And Rachel and Leah are, are Laban's two daughters that Jacob married. And so he wants them to know uh, why he's leaving. So he said, number one, I'm leaving because your father's uh, attitude has changed toward me. And he mentioned to them that your father has cheated me 10 times. And Laban cheated him 10 times because every time uh, Laban would tell him, okay, all the speckled cattle, any cattle that are born that have speckles on them, they're going to be yours. Well, God would make it so every birth, every new calf or cattle or sheep that was born was speckled. So that means Jacob was getting all these, these speckled uh, animals for his flock. So when Laban saw that all of, all of the newborns were born speckled, then he changed his mind. He said, nope, you can't have the speckled ones. You can have the striped ones. And the same thing would happen with the striped ones. Animals that would come out striped at birth, all of those were supposed to go to Jacob. Well, when they came, God made it so all the animals start coming out with stripes. Jacob was getting all getting all Laban's flock. Laban changed his mind again. No, you can't have those. So he kept doing that because he didn't want Jacob to uh, inherit or to get any of his flock. Because Jacob was trying to build up his own wealth for his own family. So then in verse 9, uh, Jacob recognized that, uh, that God had taken Laban's animals away from him. And in verse 9, let's, let's read what that says. Chapter 31, verse 9. He said, in this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. So Jacob is aware that uh, even though Jacob tried to do some schemes and tried to make it so that if the animals looked at this particular bark, they'll turn uh, the cup, the, uh, they'll be born speckled and spotted and brown. Jacob tried all those schemes, but deep down, he still knew that it was God that was causing him to prosper. Amen. So uh, anyway, he called... Um, Rachel and Leah out and he started telling them, you know, why he felt he needed to leave. And then he told them that he said, I also had a dream. You know, not only did God tell me to leave, but I had a dream. And he told them about in the dream that an angel had come to him. And that we find that in verse 10 through 14. The angel had come to him. And uh, the angel told him that he saw how Laban had been mistreating him. And God made sure that Jacob knew that I that it was the Lord that was talking to him. And he instructed him to leave Laban and return home again. So after he tells Rachel and Leah, you know, about his dream, he tells them that the Lord has told him to leave and go back home. Rachel and Leah's response was positive. They didn't feel uh, any negative vibes about what he was saying. Uh, and they said, well, Whatever God tells you to do, you do because, for number one, they gave him four reasons why. They said, number one, we're not going to inherit any of our father's wealth. And they felt this way because Rachel and Leah were in line to, to, um, to inherit the father's wealth until the father had some sons. So, And if you recall, when Jacob first got there, Rachel was the one that was tending the sheep. So obviously... Um, we mentioned this last week, Laban probably did not have any sons when Jacob first arrived. So these sons are probably about 20 years old. 
but now Jacob has, I mean, Laban has sons and he is going to uh, give his inheritance to his sons. So the daughters are saying, well, number one, uh, we're not going to inherit our father's wealth because he has sons now. Number two, the rights, our rights have been reduced to foreign women. So since they're not in line for an inheritance, the only rights they have was to for food and clothing and to be taken care of. So they didn't really have a lot of rights as a foreign woman. Uh, and they said that's how their father was treating them, treating them. The third reason why they said their father had sold them and then wasted the money that jo Jacob had paid for them. So Jacob didn't really pay money for them. Jacob Jacob's payment for the two wives was uh, his service. He gave Laban free service for 14 years, seven years for he worked for Leah and the other seven years was supposed to be working for Rachel. So he gave him 14 years of service. And, uh, and according to the, uh, the, the quest study Bible contracts for marriages was a business transaction. Uh, and the groom usually paid the father of the bride. So, so that, that was the third reason. And the fourth reason they said in all the wealth that God has given you, from our father. So all these cattle and the flock that you've inherited legally belongs to us and our children. So in other words, Rachel and Leah were on board with him. Hey, let's go. Let's go. Because our father has not been good to us and he's not about to give us anything. So we're, we're with you. Whatever you want to do. In verse 17 through 18, and we're talking about Genesis chapter 31 again. Verse 17 to 18, Jacob packed up his wives and his family and his cattle, all his flock and his possessions, and he headed back for Canaan land. He's, in, he's living in Pandanaram, but he's heading back to Canaan land, to where his father is living. So even with all of the problems that Jacob had living with Laban, God still blessed him. Even though he came there as a schemer, he came there... Uh, maybe, maybe he's showing some of the things that he read, but God still is blessing Jacob because what? Jacob is chosen. Jacob is not perfect, but he's chosen. When you're chosen, God's going to bless you. Verse 19. So they, they stole away. They actually, they, they slipped away because Laban was away shearing the sheep. He was cutting the uh, wool off of some sheep. And so they, they were being slick about it. So they left when Laban wasn't there. And note that Rachel stole her some of her father's idols. So Laban was an idol worshiper and he had idols. Rachel stole some of those idols when they were getting ready to leave. So it appears that Rachel, uh, she's not free from the practice of idol worship and worship yet. Because she, you know, took those idols with her. Uh, in verse 22, Three days after Jacob had left, Laban found out and he went after Jacob. So Jacob was gone for a good three days. He had a three-day head start. Now, I don't know how fast he's moving because, I mean, he's rich. He's, he's got a lot of flock now and he's got, uh, he's got four women with him. He's got his two wives and his two concubines with him, Bilhah and Zilpah. And he also has 11 sons and he has one daughter, Dinah, and he's carrying all of them with him. So he's traveling with his whole family. And he had a three days head start when Laban found out that he was gone. Then in verse 23 to 24, Laban caught up with Jacob seven days later. 
And according to uh, one of the translations, said Laban was in hot pursuit. So he, you know, probably took his, his army with him and as many men that he could, you know, to go after Jacob. So, but before he caught up with Jacob, get this. And let's just look at that in verse... Uh, Verse 24. Well, verse 22 said, Three days later, Laban was told that Jacob had fled, so he gathered a group of his relatives and set out in hot pursuit. So he was mad. He, he was trying to get him. So he, was, he wasn't just trying to go really slow. He was galloping, trying to catch him. And he caught up with Jacob seven days later in the hill country of Gilead. So Jacob was all, almost at Canaan, but he hadn't quite made it yet. But the, by, but the previous night, before Laban caught up with him, the previous night, God had appeared to Laban. I'm in verse 24, chapter 31, verse 24. God had appeared to Laban, the Armenian, in a dream and told him, I'm warning you, leave Jacob alone. Wow. Do, I mean, do, do you see how awesome that is? Like I said, Jacob is not perfect, but he's chosen. God has a call on his life. Look how God is protecting him. Jacob has no idea that God has warned this man, you better not mess with Jacob. You better not mess with him. And obviously Laban, you know, Laban's kind of superstitious. We know we know he's did some divination stuff try, that, that caused him to uh, find out that he was prospering and being made rich because Jacob was there with him. So, you know, Laban was kind of superstitious. He believed in some stuff. So having this dream, he obviously believed the dream. And he knew it wasn't just a dream, that it was God warning him. So when Laban, uh, when he caught up with him, Well, in Zechariah 2, 8, let's just touch on that for a minute. It says, he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. Uh, just a reminder about how precious we are to God. That um, God's not going to tolerate people doing things to you without them having some repercussions behind it. So, you know, and I'm always saying, don't mess with God's people. Don't mess with God's people because when God has chosen you, oh, you don't want to mess with God's people. Because you'll have God on your back and you don't want to have to deal with him. But God would deal with anyone who tries to harm you physically or with their words. Laban was not to attack Jacob or even say anything to him. In verse 25 through 30, it said, Laban began to question Jacob. So when he caught up with him, remember God had told him, don't even say anything to him. So, so Laban is kind of, he, he's he's uh he's pushing the envelope a little bit, so he caught, catches up with Jacob and uh, he asked him why he secretly had took off and he gave him all these reasons because I would have gave you a party I would have kissed my my kids I would have kissed my grandkids you know and actually I don't know if he would did all that Laban had this army so it wasn't just you was trying to say goodbye to your family but you didn't want Jacob to leave. Uh, and then Jacob, Laban, Laban informed Jacob, he said, you know, I could kill you for what you've done. But God 
had appeared to him and warned him not to harm Jacob in a dream. So he said, I could have killed you, but your God showed up to me and told me that. So he, he, he believes that God is real. I guess he knows God is real because he's seen how God has blessed Jacob. So in verse 30, Laban stated that he could that he could understand Jacob wanting to go home. But he, he wanted to know, but why did you steal my gods? Mind you, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen some of Laban's idols. And so Jacob explained to him why I, I snuck away because I didn't think you were going to let me have my wives. And and as far as as, as the idols go, uh, he said, you can look, check all through my things. I don't have any of your idols. And if you find, if anybody has your idols, then you can, they, they'll be killed. Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen these idols. So actually he's put her in a bad situation because if she's caught with these idols, uh, she's supposed to be killed. But think about how small these idols were because uh, Laban starts searching through all the tents and uh, Leah's tents and the concubine's tents and Jacob's tents. And then when he got to Rachel's tent, uh, she was sitting on... Uh, she was sitting down on, on a, a saddle. Let's look at that, verse 35. It said, verse, let's go to verse 33. Laban went first into Jacob's tent to search there, then into Leah's, and then the tents of the two servant wives. But he found nothing. Now, remember, he's searching for his idols. Finally, he went into Rachel's tent. Verse 34, but Rachel had taken the household idols and hidden them in her camel saddle. So she had hid them in the camel saddle and now she was sitting on them. And when Laban had thoroughly searched her tent without finding them, she said to her father, please forgive me I, if I don't get up. I'm having my monthly period. So basically Rachel is telling a lie. She was not it wasn't that time of month. She was hiding those idols. But Laban, nevertheless, he, he believed her. He didn't search her. He didn't make her get up. And he did not find the idols. So Rachel deceived him. But then we find that after Laban has tore up everything, uh, Jacob is about fed up. Now, mind you, Jacob has been 20 years dealing with Laban. Uh, he worked 14 years for the women. For both wives, seven years for Leah and then another seven years for Rachel. Uh, then he turned around and he was ready to leave and Ra and Laban talked him into staying uh, with underneath the guise of I can you can earn some of the, the the some of my flock I'll give to you I'll give you all the speckled one and the spotted one. So he Jacob stayed another six years gathering you know getting wealth for his family and building up his flock. And he did build up his flock. He took quite, he took a lot of uh, Laban's flock from him. So he's been there actually a total of 20 years, 14 years for the two women and six years gathering, getting his flock together. So, and, and, and during this time, he said Laban had not been, been right for him. So now Jacob is, is fed up to here. So this is what he says in verse 36. Then Jacob became very angry and he challenged Laban. So remember, uh, Laban's got all his men with him and uh, Jacob's got all his family with him. So basically what's happening is Jacob just blew up. And he said, what's my crime? He demanded. What have I done wrong to make you chase after me as though I were a criminal? You have rummaged through everything I own. 
Now show me what you found that belongs to you. Set it out here in front of us before our relatives for all to see. Let them judge between us. So J Jacob is mad. He says, you've been treating me wrong all this time. What have I done? Verse 38. And now he's just, he's just, he's laying out his case against Laban. He said, for 20 years, I have been with you, caring for your flocks. In all that time, you, you, your sheep and goats never miscarried. In all those years, I never used a single ram, ram of yours for food. So I didn't eat your food. He said, any were attacked and killed by wild animals. I never showed you the carcass and asked you to reduce the count of your flock. No, I took the loss myself. You made me pay for every stolen animal, whether it was taken in broad daylight or in dark of night. I worked for you through the scorching heat and the day through cold and sleepless nights. Verse 41, yes, for 20 years, I slaved in your house. I worked for 14 years, earning your two daughters and then six more years for your flock. And you changed my wages 10 times. Oh, Jacob's mad. It's all coming out now. In fact, if the God of my father had not been on my side, the God of Abraham and the fearsome God of Isaac, you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen your abuse and my hard work. That is why he appeared to you last night and rebuked you. So Jacob just spelled it all out. He spelled it all out for him. He said, but God, if it had not been for God, Laban would have did him wrong again. How many times have we said, but God, but God who intervened on our behalf, Every time he intervenes on our behalf, you have to see yourself, even as Jacob, we're chosen as well. But God, you know, people uh, thinking about Joseph when he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So even people that are doing things to us that, that aren't right and, and it seems uh, unjust and we're wondering what's going on. But God, God is only allowing some of those situations to happen in your life right now because he's bringing you to an expected end because he has a divine plan for your life. Nothing is happening to you that God doesn't know about. So in every situation, we need to be asking God, Lord, show me the nugget in this situation. Nuggets to live by, truths that we get. Lord, show me the nugget in this situation. What did you want me to learn out of this situation? Because for a Christian, there is no happenstance. There is no uh, luck or just by chance. You, your steps are ordered and planned by the Lord. But God, hallelujah, but God, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? If it had not been for the Lord, where would you be? But God, but God. So, but God intervene on Jacob's behalf when Laban would have had let him leave with nothing. God is so awesome. He's so awesome. He loves us so much and he got a plan for our lives and he's not just going to uh, let people do us any kind of way. And if you are in a situation that seems to be rough, it's because God is working something in you. It's not for naught. So Laban's response to Jacob when he let all that out. Laban says in verse 40, 43, 
Then Laban replied to Jacob, These women are my daughters, these children are my grandchildren, and these flocks are my flocks. In fact, everything you see is mine. But what can I do now about my daughters and their children? And so this was Laban's solution to Jacob. He says, So come, let's make a covenant, you and I, and it will be a witness to our commitment. So basically he's saying, let's just, let's make a covenant. And he did make a covenant with Jacob. And the covenant with Jacob uh, was that, here's some of the things that they were uh, part of the covenant. Jacob was not supposed to mistreat Laban's daughters or marry anyone else. And they build up a mound of stones. And with the mound of stones, they promise that not to harm each other. He said, I will never pass this mound of stones to harm you, and you must never pass it to harm me. So they made a covenant, and Jacob agreed, okay, we're not going to harm each other. You know, because it looked like Laban said, okay, I can't, I can't fight this. God told me to leave him alone. And they are, it's all, this are my, this are my, my daughters and my, my grandchildren. So, you know, he, he's, he succumbed to it. So Jacob agreed to the oath and agreed not to harm Laban. Jacob offered a sacrifice also, verse 54, to the Lord. And he invited everyone uh, to a covenant feast. And that's usually how they, they seal the deal. They have a feast behind an arrangement or agreement that they make. They have a feast behind that. And the act of eating uh, seals the deal. So they made peace. He made peace with Laban um, at that point. And Laban kissed his family. And the next day he left to go home. So they've made a covenant with each other. Now, you can, a lot of people can look at Jacob's life and say, well, because of everything he did, he did to Esau, maybe Jacob is just uh, reaping some things that he sold because he was slick and he did some uh, sneaky things with Esau. And that might be the case. But still keep in mind, the bottom line is Jacob is part of the chosen family. He's part of the chosen line. So we have Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Jacob's going to have 12 sons. Out of the 12 sons, Jesus is going to be born from the tribe of Judah. Uh, one of his sons, Joseph, is going to be used to uh, get the, the Holy Family into Egypt. And, you know, so all of this, God has a divine plan for what he is doing. Now, uh, right, we do have a little more time because what I wanted to do is just make sure we have a, a snapshot, an overview of the entire Bible, because I think sometimes we look at the Bible as being something huge and so big and so enormous. And, and I think I mentioned this before, but I just want to, uh, mention again, the overview so you can kind of put in a bite in a bite-sized piece, because we can understand the Bible by taking bite-sized pieces. So if you look at the Bible, the entire Bible, the, uh, and the overview of overview of the Bible, you can divide the Bible up into three main sections. And I'm talking about the, whole, the entire Bible, the whole Bible, three main sections. The first section would be God's dealing with the human race. And we, and that's from Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 11. Uh, in that section, some of the major events 
with the human race was the story of creation, was Noah and um, the, the great flood that we had where God destroyed everyone but eight uh, human beings and the animals on the, on the boat. And the third major event was the Tower of Babel when God confounded our language and made it so that no one could understand anyone and, and so people scattered. They had to go all over the place because God scattered them by confounding, making it so nobody could understand what anybody was saying. So that was the three major events during his dealing with the human race, his dealing with everybody. So that's the first section of the Bible. The second uh, section of the Bible you can divide it into is God's dealing with his chosen race. And his chosen race starts with Genesis chapter 12 and takes us through to uh, Malachi. So Genesis chapter 12 through Malachi. And Malachi is the last book of the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 12, it starts off where we're talking about Abraham. And we've already talked about the life of Abraham. We've talked about the life of Jacob, who was, a I mean, Isaac, who was Abraham's son. Now we are talking about Jacob. Jacob is uh, who we're talking about today. And we're going to talk about him and his family for the next few chapters. Uh, but Jacob's 12 sons uh, became 12 tribes. And we talked about Judah and uh, Joseph. And we're also going to be talking about how Moses and Joshua will be used to deliver the children of Israel, God's chosen people out of Egypt. So the rest of the rest of this section from Genesis to the end of the Old Testament is going to be talking about the chosen family. We're going to be talking about how Israel had judges, how Israel ended up having kings, the chosen family. When I say Israel, Israel is God's chosen people, the children of Israel. We're talking about how the children of Israel had prophets throughout their journey. We're talking about how the children of Israel were unfaithful uh, as a chosen people. We're going to talk about how uh, the captivity of the chosen people, uh, how they went into captivity due to their unfaithfulness. We're going to talk about how the, they end up being divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and how God took them into captivity because they were unfaithful to God. They were disobedient. And then we're going to talk about how the, the long wait for the Messiah, how they're waiting for Jesus to uh, to come, to rescue them uh, from the Roman rule. Because the New Testament <clears throat> opens up in there under the Roman rule. So that's the second section. So the first section is God's dealing with the human race, creation story, the flood, Tower of Babel. The second section is God dealing with the chosen race, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12, 12 sons of uh Jacob and the uh, 12 tribes that comes from those sons, Moses, Joshua, uh, we talk about how they have judges and kings as the children of Israel, how the prophets were all throughout that. Uh, we talk about the captivity of the children of Israel because of their disobedience and how they wait for the Messiah. The third section is going to be God's dealing with his church. And that starts with Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, and it goes all the way to the book of Revelation. And during this third section, we're going to talk about um, the birth, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That starts, that begins uh, this section that deals with the church. The church is born. We talk about the, the apostles being the founding fathers of the church. And the coming of the Holy Spirit to live in our lives. Uh, the building up of the body of Christ through all the letters in the New Testaments and the writings that, that, that were put in to build up the church. We're going to talk about Jesus' return. We're going to talk about the rapture. Uh, the judgment day, which is going to talk about there being a new heaven and a new earth. No more tears. And finally, we're going to talk about how we will reign with Jesus forever. 
So I know I went over that kind of fast, but back it up and you can um, review that and read that. But that's the Bible in a nutshell, uh, abbreviated version of the Bible, um, the three sections. So it's, it's not as hard and we're going to we're gonna take those bite-sized pieces so we can understand. Because how many people know, even once we go through this, it's giving you an understanding of the Bible, but God is still going to build on even what you're learning right now. And his Holy Spirit will, will enlighten you on some things even later on in your life when you go back and read it all over again. Amen. Amen. So I just want to invite uh, anyone who has not accepted Christ into your life to go onto my channel. Uh, there's a playlist, a video called The Sinner's Prayer. Please review that video. In that video, you will be led to Christ. You'll uh, get an understanding as to why you need Jesus in the first place. There's also a tape on there called uh, Teaching About Salvation where I give you all the scriptures uh, telling you about the, your your salvation experience and what uh, what you can expect being a child of the King. So, Amen. Time is winding up. Please go on that channel and accept Christ into your heart. So uh, that concludes chapter thirty one and the little overview that I gave you. Uh, next week we will be on chapter thirty two. So let's just close with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, O oh God. We thank you for this lesson. Holy Spirit, we thank you for making your word plain and clear to us, oh God. Make it simple for us, oh Lord, that we might understand. Open our understanding. Bless everyone that's listening, Lord God. Open their understanding, oh God. And we praise you and we give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I will see you next week.